If you want to know what is really happening in the world today, you need to read the Parsha HaShavua, the weekly Torah reading. Join Rabbi Mendel Lipska for the next hour as he delves and enumerates the themes running through the weekly Torah Parsha, only on 101.9 High FM. And a wonderful Erev Shabbos to all of you. Great to be here and a great Erev Rosh Chodesh as well. What a Shabbos this is going to be. We are going to take out three Torahs, three Torahs from the Ark, because we have three special portions that we have to read. We read the Parsha of the week, Tezriah. We read about Rosh Chodesh, as we read every single month. And, of course, the third is Parshat HaChodesh. It all comes together in this great and glorious Shabbos. It's a Shabbos that we have to somehow try and receive every bit of spirituality in order to enable us to uplift ourselves to approach the coming festival of Pesach. After all, Pesach is only two weeks away. And there is much to do. Pesach is not one of the easier festivals. It's a difficult one. Clean, change, buy, shop, all sorts of things that have to be done. But we mustn't forget what, in fact, the underlying element is. And that is that it is the celebration of freedom. Freedom being something which is essential to our lives. Freedom being something that enables us to soar beyond the limitations of the here and now, beyond the restrictions of the experiences of life that we find so limiting. We are able to soar to a level of freedom. We'll talk about that more later on. And this is why the Shabbos is so special. It's a Shabbos that we are treated to this triple treat of three Torahs, each and every one talking to us in different ways about how you and I, each and every one of us, are able to become better and greater, to become those individuals who have the capacity, the ability, the desire to fulfill the will of God in the best possible way. The Parsha is Tazria. Tazria speaks about, well, it begins with the laws of birth and how a woman has to respond after birth in terms of detaching herself for a while. She goes into a state of Tumah, a state of spiritual insensitivity, something that we have to think about. The Parsha speaks about the various types of tzerat, a strange illness that took place only in biblical times, a type of illness that we know nothing of today. It's not something which came about as a lack of hygiene or a contagious disease. It was a disease in actual fact that wasn't all that bad, as I'll explain later on. It's also Rosh Chodesh. We are going to celebrate the new month of Nisan, the new month of Nisan, which talks to us about so many different wonderful things. The first of the month of Nisan, of course, is when the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the wilderness was erected. Moshe put it up and the Jewish people saw the glory of God dwell in the house of God. All their efforts, all their work, all their great and wonderful contributions, contributions of gold and silver and precious gems and the various talents people had, the artistic talents came together to produce this incredible edifice, modest in size, but huge in spirituality. And God says, this is the Mishkan. This is the Mishkan in which I will dwell, the presence of God revealed in its full glory. Yes, there was a moment at Sinai, at giving of the Torah, when God revealed himself to the Jewish people. But that was a fleeting moment. Not only was it a fleeting moment, but unfortunately, it was later corrupted by the strange and terrible behavior of the Jewish people who actually danced around a golden calf. Can you imagine that? 
and God removed himself spiritually, but Moshe on behalf of the people, Moshe being the great leader, the one who's concerned about the welfare of his people, pleaded with God to forgive the Jewish people, to enable them to reunite, to reconnect their covenant, their closeness, their love for God, their devotion to God. And God said he will forgive them. And the proof, of course, being that he allowed them to build the Mishkan, a dwelling place that would have the house of God there on a daily level each and every single day. Not for a fleeting moment, not for a short while, but each and every single day for the entirety of the Jewish struggles through the wilderness and coming into Israel for hundreds of years. This Mishkan represented the ultimate presence of God, a dwelling place for him below. This is what the first of Nisan is all about. But, of course, the entire month of Nisan is uplifted by so many special things. It's the time that we celebrate the contributions of each and every single leader of each tribe. Each and every one of them brought a special gift. Each and every one of them had a special day. Each and every single Nasi, head of a tribe, representing his tribe, brought a special offering and contribution to the temple in order to celebrate this reunification between the Jewish people and God. And it was the leader of each tribe who had the capacity, the ability, the wisdom, the insight to bring the type of offering that God wanted that represented this reunification of the Jewish people and God. It's also HaChadosh, the very first mitzvah that the Jewish people were given while they were still in Egypt. God calls to Moshe and Aaron and talks to them about how the Jewish people are to celebrate Rosh Chodesh, how to recognize Rosh Chodesh, how to understand the concept of the new month. And God says, HaChadosh HaZelachem, this particular month, not only the month, but the concept concept of time, as we'll talk about a bit later on, the concept of time is a gift that I give to each and every one of you. This is something which is unique and special to the Jewish people. It's not only a method through which and by which the Jewish people are able to calculate the months of the year and to recognize when the new month, because we don't follow a pure lunar calendar. We have an intricate combination of solar and lunar calendars, and this is why we have the various leap years. But HaChodesh HaZelachem, this is a gift of God to us. It's not only how to calculate the month. It's not only how to understand the structure of the calendar, the reconciliation of the lunar and the solar. Far beyond that, it is a gift of time. Time being the single most precious thing we have. Time is something which simply cannot be bought. No matter how much you have, you cannot buy time. But you can use time. You can expand time. You can take a minute and make it a real minute. You can take an hour, a day, a week, a year and make it real, full, complete, absolutely. HaChodesh HaZelachem talks to us not only about how to calculate months of the year, but how to calculate time to understand this great gift, something that was given to us by God while we were still in Egypt, and what that really means, and how these three things come together, each one bringing insight into the other. We have to understand what is the relationship of Tazria. Tazria seems to speak about negative elements. It seems to speak about things that are punishments for bad behavior, particularly the bad behavior of Loshan Hara speaking ill of others, gossiping in a negative sort of way. And this is what our sages tell us was the reason the Jewish people were afflicted by this tzaras 
element, and they became impure, insensitive. We have to understand that which seems to be a negative dimension with the idea of Rosh Chodesh, which is the idea of the first month of Nisan, the establishment of the temple, the beginning of the gifts of the Nasi'im, the lead-up to the incredible festival of Pesach, which is freedom and greatness and joy and light, not negativity. How does that relate to the idea of Tzarat, and also HaChodesh HaZelachem, God giving us this gift of time, this special gift of time, this ability to take time and to structure it in a particular way that we are able to fill it fully and fulfill it completely. This is something that we have to understand more of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking how to reconcile those three ideas of Parsha Tazria. Let's get back to the Parsha. Let's back talk about the idea of Tazria, the idea of a Parsha dealing with the strange but very serious skin ailment called Tzarat, which rendered a person Tomei sometimes banished only from the holy area, sometimes banished from the entire community. What was that all about? And it's all contained within a parsha that talks about Tazria. What does Tazria mean? To sow and grow. It's something which is a great blessing, bringing children into the world. It's something which is incredibly special. Why render the woman into a state of Tumah after that happens? And the answer, of course, is... When a person goes through a great positive ordeal, something which is good, but something which is difficult, there is a sense of exhaustion, not only a sense of physical exhaustion, not only a sense of emotional exhaustion, there is also a spiritual exhaustion. Because the body and the soul, the spirit and the physical, are very closely intertwined, each having an incredible effect upon the other. The spirit, the soul, influences the body. It gives it life, it animates it, it gives us powers. We are able to think, to feel, to seal, to see, to hear. We are able to do all sorts of miraculous things as a result of the fact that this physical entity, this physical body has a soul which has a divine spark which enables us to live. And similarly, when the body does the right thing, it fulfills mitzvahs, it does that which God wants us to do, it behaves in a way which is consistent with the will of God, then what happens, of course, the soul begins to soar. And this incredible symbiotic relationship between body and soul, this incredible relationship between the neshama and the guf, between the soul and the body, touching each other, influence each other, causing tremendous growth and development in each other. This is something which is very real, a great gift from God. And when a person goes through a positive but difficult situation, a person becomes exhausted. And as I mentioned before, not only physically and emotionally, but spiritually as well. And you need time to re-energize, to allow the soul to send its special ray of life, of strength, of spirituality, of divinity into the body. The body has to sit back for a while in order to receive that incredible dimension of godliness in order for it to continue in a healthy, physical sort of way. And this is why the mother giving birth 
needs that time, not only to regain physical strength, emotional strength, but to regain spiritual strength so that she can continue in that incredible role, not only as one who's brought a child into this world, but to continue in the incredible role of being a mother that nurtures, that feeds, that educates, that develops the child from infancy onward. And this is why it is such a blessed concept, the idea of Tazria. Yes, there is a moment of detachment. There is a short while where you have to somehow sit back to catch your breath physically and spiritually. But the purpose, of course, is so that you can continue to raise this child in the best possible way, spiritually, physically, to nurture them in the best possible way. The question, of course, is the rest of the Parsha speaks about these terrible skin afflictions called Sarat, which came about as a result of negative behavior, particularly, as I mentioned earlier on, gossip, Lashon Hara, to speak ill of others brought about this terrible state of skin condition. There, too, our sages tell us, lies a great blessing. You know, reward and punishment is something which is difficult for us to understand and sometimes for us to accept. Because we do good things and we don't see the reward immediately. And we see people, and perhaps ourselves as well, we do terrible things and we don't get punished immediately. And we begin to think of it sometimes that reward and punishment is a concept which isn't all that real. The rewards won't come simply because I've been good, and the punishment won't come if I'm not that good. And this is what the Tzarat was all about. Almost instantly, when a person did something which was contrary to the will of God within this context, he immediately saw a blemish on his skin which indicated you have done something wrong. I've often spoken about it in the past. It's the concept of pain. When you have a toothache, in a sense, it's not pleasant, of course, but it's a blessing. Because it tells you that there is some sort of decay that's going on inside your tooth. And you have to see to it because otherwise it will only get worse. Can you imagine if we didn't have that pain? Can you imagine if we didn't have that toothache? Can you imagine if we didn't have, we'd wake up one morning and our teeth would be missing because we didn't have the warning signal to tell us something is wrong, something has to be done, something has to be looked at, something has to be changed. The pain is a great gift to tell us that there is something hidden underneath that we don't see necessarily that needs attention and sometimes drastic dramatic attention. This was what the Tzarat was all about, and this is why it was only in biblical times. You had to be in a spiritual state of greatness in order to be, so to speak, punished in that sort of way, because that was an immediate indicator. Something is wrong. Change your ways. You have behaved in a way which is not pleasing to God. You have to behave altogether differently. And this is why all these Tzarat laws are contained within a Parsha that talks to us about birth, because this is the idea of birth, the ability to change, the ability to recognize instantly, immediately, that I've done something wrong, and therefore I have to take a different course of action. I have to change, I have to, well, to a certain degree repent, I have to go through a process, but it enables me to return to a state of purity. What is the Tuma all about? What is the state of impurity? It's not only impure as in dirtier as whatever the case might be. It is 
a state of spiritual insensitivity. That's what Tuma is all about. Tuma is a state where the body, and to a great degree the mind and the heart, and to a certain degree the soul as well, is no longer sensitive to the positive spiritual divine energy that exists. And because of that, you have become insensitive to spiritual things. You become insensitive generally. You can no longer function within the context of community, within the context of self and each other. And this is why the Sarat was an incredible blessing, because it indicated to us that we are entering into a domain of spiritual insensitivity that can have all sorts of negative consequences, something that we don't really want. And it told us it's time to do something. It's time to change. When I have a headache, it tells me something is wrong. It's not merely a headache. Take a couple of aspirin or other pills to get rid of that headache. It tells me there is something going on that I have to understand. Pain, in a way, is a great blessing. No, we don't want pain. We want everything to be perfect. But if things aren't perfect within the hidden dimensions of our lives, we would like immediate indicators, visible indicators, external indicators, to talk to us, to warn us, to deal with this issue. That, my friends, is a great blessing, the ability to be told right away. It's a story of education. We don't often see it. But sometimes we see bad behavior in a child. What's our duty? What's our job? Our job is to gently, but very effectively, indicate to that child that the behavior is not acceptable. And the child knows. But if we turn a blind eye, if we somehow, well, we don't want to discipline the child, it's too difficult, what happens then? It continues to behave in a bad way until you reach a state where it's almost impossible to discipline and change the behavior of that child, even as it grows older, and it carries with it all the negativity of lack of direction, of lack of education, of lack of nurturing in a positive sort of way. Being told right away, of course in a positive way, shouldn't be overwhelming, we don't want the pain to be excruciating, but we want an indicator. Something is wrong. Let's understand what's going on. Let's deal with it. Let's look at it. Let's fix it before it becomes worse. And this is the idea of, well, Rosh Chodesh as well. What's Rosh Chodesh? Rosh Chodesh is the new month. From the darkness comes light, a sliver of light begins to indicate to us, hey, Light has come back into the darkness. Things are changing. You know, we often go through a state of darkness when we think, oh, nothing will ever be good again. We are almost paralyzed by the darkness that we experience in life at times. And then we see, we see a light. We see a positive change. Hope comes in. We begin to understand that the darkness is not real. It won't last. The light will come. And with light comes understanding, awareness, clarity, certainty, all the wonderful things that we ask for. This is what Rosh Chodesh is all about. Tonight, Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And it's not only a regular Chodesh. It is the Chodesh of Nisan, the Chodesh of miracles, the Chodesh when we celebrate the festival of Pesach. It is a time that we march toward freedom in the fullest sense of the word. What greater thing could there be? We go through 
difficult times. We go through situations wherever we are in the world and we begin to think to ourselves, everything is so problematic. Everything is so complicated. Everything is so overwhelming, overbearing and difficult. And suddenly the month of Nisan comes along and we see an incredible light that leads to a festival when we celebrate freedom. Not only freedom as a historical event, something which happened in the past, but freedom within each and every one of us, this joy, the sense of exuberance, the, accent, the sense of reaching out and becoming greater and seeing things for what they really are instead of simply being overwhelmed by the negativity. And this is why, just like Tazria, Tazria is a parsha that speaks about the opportunity for change and negativity that indicates something is there that has to be dealt with. Similarly, the Rosh Chodesh, in a far greater sense, is the idea of the light within the darkness that tells us things are going to change. But it doesn't stop there. In this Shabbos, we are also going to read the third Torah, Parshas HaChodesh, the mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people while still in Egypt. But more of that soon. This is the Parsha HaShavua with Rabbi Mendel Lipska, only on 101.9 High FM. We're talking about Tizriya, we're talking about rebirth, we're talking about bringing life into the world and the need to sit back and sometimes reflect in order to somehow re-energize ourselves so that we can continue in the great mission of taking that which we have brought into the world and raising them properly as well. We spoke about Rosh Chodesh, the idea of the new month, the light and the darkness, the fact that we are able to see hope and clarity and certainty, even though sometimes that which surrounds us is anything but. And we're going to talk about the third component of this Shabbos, the third Torah that we take out, Parshat HaChodesh, when the Jewish people were given that special mitzvah, in Mitzrayim while still in Egypt. But first of all, again, some information from the marketplace. What would you choose? Imagine making your way down the Pesach aisle at Pick and Pay, Hyper Norwood. You fill your trolley and leave the store without paying a dream? No, it's the Pick and Pay, Hyper Big Pesach Trolley Dash. Whatever you buy at Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, write your details on the back of your slip and put it into the box of the information kiosk. This is how you enter the Pesach Big Trolley Dash. If your name is drawn and you are in store, remember you have to be in the store for the draw, then you become the one and only dasher. Whatever you put into your trolley from the Pesach Island, 60 seconds, a full minute, you take home free compliments of pick and pay. The trolley dash draw is on the 18th of April, and you have to be in store for the draw in order to win. Good luck. Pick and pay. Hyper Norward, the best place to shop when you want to buy a lot. Now here is another ad, a one that I truly enjoy reading. Listen and listen carefully. Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood recognizes that times are tough, and they are. And true to their spirit of making living affordable, they have approached Chai FM to help find a needy family in the community who Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood will reward with 1,500 rand to spend in the store on food for Pesach. If you know of a family that's going through financial difficulties, tough times, 
and could do with a little Pesach present from Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood, please email a motivating letter to info at chayfm.com. It's the time of our freedom you can help bring freedom to. What a wonderful ad. A huge yashikach to Pick and Pay Hyper Norwood. A huge yashikach Chai FM, after all, one of the great mitzvahs around Pesach time since time immemorial was the mitzvah of ma'ot chitim, of helping those that were in financial difficulties. After all, things at Pesach time are expensive, they are dear. And when we extend to others, Hashem sees that and responds with a great blessing to each and every one of us. May Hashem help us that everyone will have enough for their Pesach activities to sit at the Seder and experience the idea of freedom in the full sense of the word. We're talking about HaChodesh, the mitzvah that was given to the Jewish people while they were still in Egypt, the idea of the Jewish people given the gift of time. And we know time, on the one hand, is absolutely structured. On the other hand, time is flexible. Yes, you can take a minute. And in that minute, you can either waste it or use it to its fullest. You can take a day and go through the day doing absolutely nothing, wasting time hour after hour. Or you can take a day and make it real, fill it with all sorts of good and productive things you study, you experience, you share. You do whatever it is. You earn an honest living. You can take a day and use the hours, the moments, the seconds of that day in the most positive and powerful manner. How do you do these things? Well, people will tell you there are all sorts of methods, all sorts of activities and programs. Well, Torah tells us how, and this is the real one. When we read the Parsha of HaChadosh, we come across two mitzvot. One mitzvah is the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach, the Passover offering. And in order to fulfill that mitzvah for males, they had to be circumcised. They had to have gone through the experience of a brit milah. Now what are these two things, and how do they relate to the idea of chodesh, the gift of time? The reason the Jewish people had to take this lamb for the Korban Pesach, for the Pesach offering, was because the sheep was one of the deities, one of the gods, one of the idols of Egypt, and they were living in that society. And idolatry is something which is quite overwhelming. Idolatry is something which is subtle. Idolatry is something which is pervasive. You know, we think to ourselves, idolatry, that's not for me. But each and every one of us, we are seduced sometimes by idolatrous thoughts and ideas. It doesn't mean standing in front of a statue and bowing down to a statue. It can come in all sorts of forms and shapes. Uh, idolatry means doing something which, in a sense, negates your relationship with God. You accept another form of life, another form of life-giving energy, there is another deity. The Jewish people in Egypt, unfortunately, had lived there for hundreds of years. Most of those years, tragically, as slaves, spiritually as well, they were enslaved. And their very first act was to take the deity, the idol of Egypt, and say, this is not a god. This is something that God created for his benefit. And we take it to celebrate the festival of freedom. 
because freedom means ridding ourselves of any type of idol. If we are bound by restriction and limitation of a physical or a spiritual dimension, we are not free. We might go through the moves thinking, we might go through the motions thinking that we are free, but we are not. We are controlled and paralyzed by elements of idolatry. And this is what the Korban Pesach represented. The Korban Pesach represented a denial of idolatry, a submission to God and to God alone. Similarly, the idea of circumcision, the Brit Milah. What is the Brit Milah? What does the word Brit mean? It means covenant, reestablishing a covenant with God, reestablishing that intense, personal, passionate relationship with God to somehow recognize the presence of godliness in your life and make it a constant presence. You feel that energy every single day, every single moment. Now, when a person denies, denies idolatry, and when a person recognizes the covenant with God, that individual will start using time correctly. That individual will start using time to its potential, to the fullest. You begin to fill time with all sorts of good things because each and every single moment you are driven by the idea that I have to rid myself of the negativity of idolatry. I have to influence myself with the positive devotion and connection with the Brit with God. And this is what HaChadish is all about. And this is the lead-up to Pesach. This is the lead-up to the Festival of Freedom. This is the way that we can experience something which is far greater than ourselves. This is the way that we can approach this festival with a tremendous sense of joy, with a tremendous sense of goodness, with a tremendous sense of clarity. We know full and foremost that we are individuals who have denied idolatry. We also know full and foremost that we are individuals who have committed ourselves with a tremendous covenant to God, to one God, and to God alone, to his Torah, to his mitzvot, to his commandments in each and every single way. This is what the gift of time is all about. It's not some gimmick. It's not some program where you do this and do that, and this is how you're able to use your time correctly. You use your time because time truly expands when you feel the sense of freedom. Time truly expands when you feel a passionate, close, intimate relationship with God, a covenant which is intense and powerful. It's something which gives you strength and insight and wisdom and positive feeling. It gives you the ability to recognize the world, to understand the world, to recognize yourself, to recognize others, and to deal correctly within that context at the highest possible level. Each and every single moment becomes well, a full, giant moment, a moment that you've taken and you've expanded to the nth degree, a moment that you've taken and made it grow to a far greater degree than you did yesterday. And this is why this Shabbos is so very special. We take out the three Torahs. First one, we read Surat. We read Tazria. We read about the laws of, well, difficulty that indicate something is wrong and something has to be done. We celebrate Rosh Chodesh. It's Shabbos Rosh Chodesh. Tomorrow's Rosh Chodesh. We say Hallel in Davening, a special Musaf. And we, well, we celebrate as Rosh Chodesh. It's the new month of Nisan, which leads us to the festival of Pesach. 
It's the time that we celebrate the erection of the Mishkan in the wilderness. In the third Torah, Parshat HaChodesh, the gift of time, the recognition that I deny idolatry and I connect with God on a positive and ongoing basis through the Great Covenant. And this is why, be in shul, be in shul tomorrow, celebrate. And when you hear the Parsha being read, and the second Torah, the portion of Rishchodesh being read, and the third Torah of HaChodesh, the gift of time, the Passover sacrifice, listen carefully, listen to words to make it real, to make it your own. These are our gifts. Let's use them correctly. Have a great Shabbos and a wonderful Rosh Chodesh. And as we are almost in the month of Nisan, to get ready for Pesach, with joy, with strength, with purpose, as we walk toward freedom.